All right. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Welcome to day 11 of the 21 day fast. Um, wonderful. <clears throat> we are on John chapter 8. And um, just to give you a bit of a recap, um, <clears throat> Jesus is going around like a good Christian and offending people, <laughs> causing trouble. And uh, people want to, they either love him or hate him. There's nothing in the middle. Uh, you know, there's no safe place. You're either all in. You're either, you're either hot for the kingdom or you're cold. Like if you're, think, you know, if we think we're in this like safe, warm zone, that's actually dangerous. Um, all throughout the scriptures, we see Jesus speaking truth, uh, in love, giving mercy where mercy is needed, speaking truth where truth is needed. And, and he was incredibly polarizing. So people are starting to get, uh, can we get a little bit of light up, up here maybe? Just so, um, and so pe- people are starting to rally. You know, they're starting to come together and they're starting to talk. And, and you, know, you know, amazing things happen when people talk. Wonderful ideas come to fruition, but also bad ideas come to fruition. And one really bad idea was, hey, let's, let's, let's kill Jesus. <clears throat> and so they're rallying people, you know, getting emotional. At one point, uh, uh, you know, the religious leaders are like, hey, you know, to the authorities, to the police, basically, aren't you guys going to do anything about it? You know, this guy is, is causing trouble. And the police say, but he speaks so well. <laughs> he's such a great orator. He's such a, such a great teacher. And then at one point, Nicodemus comes up and says, hey, doesn't even our law, you know, give opportunity for people to, you know, hear them out before we make any, any type of judgment. And then it closes out in the latter parts of chapter 7, you know, just once again, just questioning you know, questioning Jesus. Remember, John is all about uh, answering the question of who Jesus is. And, and so chapter 7 closes out with, you know, does anything good come from Galilee? Anyone who knows his stuff, anyone who knows the scriptures knows that no prophet, and certainly not the Messiah, comes out of Galilee. Um, and so th- obviously they don't know the fact that uh, uh, Jesus was actually born, right? Not in Galilee, in Bethlehem, but grew up in Galilee. And so that's why they think he's from Galilee. They don't actually know his origin and, um, and so then we get into John chapter 8. But when Jesus went to the Mount of Olives, and early in the morning he came again and into the temple area, and the people were coming to him. See, they don't realize that like, Jesus grew up in the temple. Like, like he, he spent time in the temple. He spent time dialoguing, even at a young age. I don't think they put the two together. <clears throat> I mean, spending time with the Father, spending time in communion, spending time in intimacy, carving time out. I guess when he was a young kid from playing with his friends and, you know, whatever kids do riding their bike, he, he would cut time off. Oh, I, you know, I need to spend time with my father. He would spend time in his father's house, whether that was in the temple, whether that was just creating space in his home, in his heart. <clears throat> and so, and all the people were coming to him and he sat down and began teaching them. Now the scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman caught in the act of adultery. And after placing her in the center of the courtyard, they said to him, Teacher, this woman has, caught, was, has, has been caught in the act of committing adultery. Now in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. What then do you say? Now they were saying this to test him so that they might have grounds for accusing him. I'll read that one more time. Now they were saying this to test him so that they might have grounds for accusing him. But Jesus stooped down and with his finger wrote on the ground 
When they persisted in asking him, he straightened up and said to them, He who is without sin among you, let him be the first to throw a stone at her. And again he stooped down and wrote on the ground. Now when they heard this, they began leaving one by one, beginning with the older ones, because they've committed more sins. And he was left alone. And the woman, where she was, in the center of the courtyard, and straightening up, Jesus said to her, Woman, where are they? Did no one condemn you? She said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said, I do not condemn you. Go. From now on, do not sin any longer. Amen. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. This is one of my favorite, um, just, this, it's so dramatic, you know. Every time I read this, my heart gets moved. Um, I mean, one of the hardest things in church, in ministry in general, you know, I, I mean, I'm pretty sure all of us, you know, as leaders or, or serving in some capacity or in the home, <clears throat> I don't think we're born with a propensity for drama, you know. Like, we want things to just be chill. Like, you know, can't we just all get along? You know, can't we just all, like, like forgive and have peace? And so, like, church would be fantastic, right? If, if you know, uh, uh, yeah, but the reality is, is you know, we're, we're human. And there's always going to be, you know, uh, uh, issues. There's always going to be, uh, uh, you know, areas where we need to work harder, where we need to be more careful, where we need to communicate. Um, and so, you know, like, I look all throughout the New Testament, and, I, and I've said this before, and I hope you see that there's so much drama everywhere you go. Like, like Jesus is going around teaching and people are coming to him and asking him questions and giving him scenarios and circumstances. They really don't know what to do, some of them. They're, they're genuinely stumped. Um, but in this case, here, in the account in John chapter 8, and I read, you know, verse 6, now they were saying this to test him so that they might have grounds for accusing him. Um... And so they bring this woman who was caught in adultery and the tradition was to stone a woman. And so they bring this situation and scenario before Jesus publicly. Teacher, this woman has been caught in the very act of committing adultery. Now the law of Moses commanded us to stone such a woman. So, so then what do you say? And so the first thing I want you to see, <clears throat> you know, the, the hypocrisy, you know, what, 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 upsets the heart of God if you want to know what grieves the heart of God is here's, here's, here's the fact okay so someone has done something wrong okay have we all done something wrong have you ever done something wrong yeah absolutely did, did, were you given grace when you didn't deserve grace yeah absolutely all the time right five times a day for me in my home in my marriage <laughs> Right, um, and so, so we okay. So this woman's caught. She did something wrong. Okay. Now, now what's going on here is they come to Jesus and they ask Jesus, you know, what should we do? Right. The law says to do this. And and what I want you guys to see here is the 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 top religious leaders of that time. I want you to see here that they were not concerned about this woman one bit. They were not even concerned about the law 
one bit, right? I mean, it's couched in, is this right, is this wrong, and you know, do you adhere to the... What they're really trying to do here is entrap Jesus. Their focal point is to trap Jesus so that they can make a case against him. So they don't, they don't care about the, they don't care about, uh, 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 the person. They, they don't care about the law. They're really out just to get, it's just a, you know, they're creating a circumstance in which they can entrap Jesus. <clears throat> if, if you were to ask me, you know, I, and I think this is something that I can't, you know, I, I've been in ministry some 20, 20 25 years since, since the age of 22, uh, uh, full time. Um, you know, I, I was a, uh, went to church since I was born. My parents went because they were immigrants to the United States, didn't have any health insurance. They were terrified. So they, they turned to faith. They turned to God, you know, for protection and covering. I, I gave my life to the Lord. I made a commitment at the age of 12. Um, I, I had a, a, an incredible backslide where I left the church, completely abandoned God, lived in debauchery and sin for a year. And then at the age of 21, I, I, God called me out. Uh, I made a recommitment. I, 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 I basically vowed the rest of my life to serve God. Anything he asked me, I, I said I would do. And I got to say, it wasn't until about maybe at the age of 40, after having you know, graduated seminary, you know, four years, five years of theology training, ministering, and as I'm reading the Bible and as I'm studying the scriptures and as I'm doing quiet times and God's giving revelation and, and the prophetic and, and just, you know, listening to incredible teachers, you know, online, in person, just, I'm just trying to show you this whole maturation process. And I got to tell you, it wasn't until about the age of 40. Some point, like, I just kind of connected the dots. <clears throat> and if you were to ask me, I mean, you all, I don't have to tell you what the gospel is. I don't have to tell you what God's plan is, redemptive purpose. I don't have to tell you the, the, the significance and the, and, and the primary central focus of Christ. You guys know all that. But one day as I was looking at all that and I was trying to just get a bigger picture of what God is doing, if you were to break down to me what the value, what, what the, the kind of the message behind the message, overarching of the gospel, if you were to ask me, P. Sam, what's, what's, what's the big picture here? This is what I would tell you. The kingdom of God, the heart of God and the gospel is about valuing people. Valuing people. Seeing the inherent value of people. Whether you're an immigrant, whether you're a child, whether you're a widow, whether you're marginalized, whether you're third world. The biggest problem of humanity, of all of us, sickness, including myself, is when I don't see someone in the same value that God sees them. Right? All of us can admit that there are people we look up to. All of us can admit that there are people we look down to. All of us can say that there are people that I consider my equals. It doesn't matter who you are, right? What God despises, what grieves the heart of God is when we think someone deserves less when, when, when standards for ourselves or others, when we would never consider that. And that's, that's what's going on here. To God, this is a precious daughter. To Jesus, this is a precious human being. To these religious leaders, she's a pawn. They couldn't care less what her outcome was. And, 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 and mostly maybe they care about the law, but only in, 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 in and of itself as it serves them. But ultimately in this situation, we know that they, they couldn't care less about the law. They're trying to trap Jesus. And so they, they, they just don't see the value. They, you know, the, the human sickness and disease of all, of, of everything I would say, whether it's the, 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 the insatiable desire for, for you know, uh, oil or, or property or wealth or, or you know, treating people you know, marginalized less, a culture or a people or a society or, or, or 
you know, people who, who you know, have a, a personal choices of, of lifestyle. You know, at, 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 there's a point when we see someone or hear someone or they, that there's something just in us that makes a judgment. We say, oh, that's not right. And, and that's okay. You know, we know what's right, what's not right. But then when we start to value that person based on a decision that person has made, that's, that's when the sin, the opportunity, where, when we start to elevate and then we're unable to, we're unable to relate. The moment we're like, dude, I'm not like that. I was never like that. You know, someone needs to correct that junk. You know, but the reality is, no, we were all like that. If not for the grace of God, we would not even have the capacity to wake up and come before him this morning to seek him, if not for his grace. And so, so I just realized, like, the next time you read the scriptures, the next time you read the gospel, the next time you do your quiet time, just, just on top of the redemptive narrative, which all of you already know, you're, you're believers, you're saved, kingdom of God, just put this lens and just realize what God is doing all throughout. He's saying, you know, all humanity is made in my image. Right? The Imago Dei. Everyone has value. Some of the greatest movements in the history of the world came from someone who said, you know what, that's not right. They shouldn't be treated this way. They should have the same rights and benefits as myself because God has given these things to me. And so some of the greatest movements of, of all the world have happened because someone has said, this person is worth something. And that's the heart of God. And so Jesus is here and they're coming and they're going to stone this person and caught her in the act and want to catch Jesus and, and they, they couldn't care less about marginalized folks. You know what's worse than that is what breaks the heart of God is when we judge people using the lens of the Bible. When we actually use the scriptures in the Bible and to use that and to say, aha, you know, this person is in error or this person is, is wrong. This person needs to be judged. Man, what spirit is that? What spirit is that? How in the world does that spirit come into the church? When Jesus himself would say, this person needs to be forgiven. Right? Why are we so quick to judge? Why are we so, take so long to forgive? You know? Like, you know, um, when, when we are more concerned about doing right than we, are about, than we are about helping someone grow in Christ. That's, where God is grieved. And that's where we should be grieved. Um, and, so, and so Jesus says, um, you know, he calls everyone out and says, hey man, who here is not in this boat? I don't care big or small. And he says, who here is without sin? And obviously the older people, because they've been around longer and they know their own shortcomings and they're the first to walk away and then eventually everyone walks away. Everyone, everyone is, is not, you know, without sin. And then Jesus comes and says to this woman, I mean, can you just imagine? Can you imagine whatever grievance, whatever you have fallen, wherever you have sinned, wherever I have sinned, can you imagine Jesus' face, right? Talking to you, looking at you, and saying, where are they? Where are those who condemn you? Did no one condemn you? And then, and then you look around and, and you realize that there's no one. No one can judge you. No one can, can condemn you other than Christ, other than God. And God says, and Jesus says, I do not condemn you either. From now on, or go, and from now on, do not sin any longer. 
and she's given a second chance. So it's not just like a free slate, you know, forgiven, do what you want. No, it's, it's you're forgiven, now, now change your, your choices, change, change your lifestyle. Don't sin in this again. Um, and I'd like to think, you know, not able to follow up, um, that indeed her life was transformed and that she has a whole new life, a whole new beginning, um, you know, born again, uh, having coming to encounter Jesus. Um, amen? Amen. Right? So, man, this, this is a verse I feel like we can't forget. You know, it's like, oh, but that's not me. Like, I can't relate. Yeah, it is. That's you. That's me. That's all of us. If you can't relate, then, then something's wrong. Right? We, we're all, we're all in this boat. Okay? Um, so just moving on. Um, in this chapter, I'm not going to read the whole chapter. I only read the first 12 verses. But in this chapter, all 59 verses, I want to, you don't, you don't have to turn there, but I'll show you. It's just, it's because it's all spread out. But, you know, you know things have gotten bad. They're, they've, they've resorted to name calling. Right? So, They've gone from debate to like, hey, who do you think you are? And now they're just straight up like, you know, you're, you're, you're a poo-poo head. You know, that's, that's, that's the worst word in our household when our kids get really upset. Okay? So now they're saying things like, and I told you guys how badly Jews think lowly of Samaritans. And they're like, oh, you're a Samaritan. They say that to Jesus. You're, 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 are you not a Samaritan? Aren't you a, a half-breed, basically? Um... You know, you have a demon. You're, you're of the devil. You're, you're a Satan worshiper. That's, that's what they're saying of him. I'm literally quoting the scriptures. Uh, uh, you are a Samaritan. You have a demon. Uh, we are of Abraham's seed. We're pure. There's a lot of debate. Um, scholars believe that uh, uh, they were questioning Jesus' origin. That word had got out about uh, uh, that Joseph not being uh, 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 the actual biological father of Jesus. And so Jesus' whole birth, I mean, I mean, if you're going to go after someone who wants to be the president or, or you know, authority in government, you're going to dig, dig for some dirt, right? So Jesus is now claiming to be the highest position of all the universe. So people are digging around dirt. I don't know if they got it from a family member. I don't know if they got it from a, a distant relative. But someone, someone they think said, hey, he, he, he was born in an Ill- illegitimate relationship they weren't even married and so that's the, the that's the that's the jab right there are you a samaritan are you a half-breed hey man we're 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 abraham's descendants are you um and and it actually says you can look at it it actually says quote we were not born as a result of sexual immorality and so they're like dude they're going low they're jabbing you can read it yourself you can it's there if you want me i can I can highlight it for you. Verse 44, you are, you are of your father, the devil. Uh, verse 48, you are a Samaritan. Um, yeah, you, you guys can read it for yourself. It's a good exercise. Uh, I'll read all 48. Okay. And so they're, t- they're, like, they're like totally like low blow, below the belt, you know, in their name calling. Dude, Jesus was despised. The greatest religious leader movement of all humanity of all time was not popular. Was not popular. 
He was despised. People, people really disliked him. And so Isaiah chapter 53 tells us, He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised. And we esteemed him not. This is not someone you wanted to hang out with. This is not someone you invited to the big party. You know, this was not your inner circle. And we esteemed him not. Surely he, was, he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. Let's bow our heads this morning. Just come before the Lord this morning, and I, and I pray that the Holy Spirit would really convict our hearts. This is, man, I, I just don't know, I'm going to be honest, two years of, of just craziness, the pressure, the amount of pressure, known and unknown, there's a lot of, it's just traumatic, this, the, the world has gone through a traumatic episode, homes have gone through. Um, I, I don't think there's such a thing as just going back to normal, um, things have changed uh, forever. Uh, even even in the absence of COVID, I, I think you know, certain certain things have come to light. Certain things have been revealed. Um, our own perspective, uh, relationships have been hit. Um, and I, I, as a church, as a society, as a world, I I, I don't know how we're going to get through and come out on the other side unscathed, without grace, without grace, without without forgiveness. I just don't, the casualties are insurmountable without grace. Our, 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 you know, and so in the community of our church, you know, as we kick off a new house church, as we kick off a new year, as we kick off a new season, people need second chances. Uh, people need forgiveness. And um, man, in your home, uh, uh, the, the, the relationships with family members need forgiveness in your workplace. Relationship with colleagues need forgiveness. In the church, relationships with church members need forgiveness. It just has to be like in this season, like, man, I, I believe that God, you know, the concern is that people may take advantage, you know, of, of too many second chances. Oh, okay, PCM, third chances, four chances you know, fifth chances. But I believe in this season, <laughs> you know, until we're out in the clear, I think Jesus would say to you, 70 times seven. I think he would say to you, if there were ever a time that we needed to be gracious, it's now, right? There may be a time later where you can be less gracious, if, if such a thing, but if there's ever a time that we need to be more gracious, it's, it's now. Um, and so let's take that to heart. Um, but at the same time, God charges us. Once we recognize, we do have to acknowledge, we do have to identify, we do have to call it out. Jesus doesn't just turn blindly and like, oh, it's okay, just let her, you know, let her go. He calls it out and says, don't do it anymore. And so, Lord, help us to also recognize the areas in our lives where, uh, God, we may 
uh, be, you know, not in alignment or not pleasing or even outright sin. Um, Holy Spirit, that you would give each of us the wherewithal, the spirit, the convicting to recognize. Lord, that, that you would also recognize the community. Lord, that we have a community. And so therefore, through the community, God, that you can speak. And, and like, like all of us, we have blind spots. Uh, uh, and if some of that is brought forward, God, that in, in a loving capacity, Lord, that we would be able to grow in there. Um, Jesus, protect your church. Protect us. Help us to value people. Every single person in our church and community on equal terms. If not, if, if, if it, you know, the gospel even says, the law of love says, even one step further, even above ourselves. At the very least, equal. And if we can, in encountering Christ, even above ourselves, but be weary and be careful that we are not looking down on people, that we are not devaluing people or marginalizing people. Um, so Lord Jesus, we thank you. Lord, we thank you that you were despised, that you went to the cross, that, that you were attacked, you were name-called, you're... Man, they, they went hard. They went, at your, they went at your mom and dad. And um, Lord, we just thank you for, for taking it, um, for, for being humble, um, for speaking truth still. Even in spite of that, you continue to speak truth, even though popularity and people started leaving you. Uh, Lord, remind us, man, Jesus, we want to be like you. Lord, our model is you. We want to live truth and speak truth, even at the cost and expense of, of losing friends. Uh, once again, Lord, let the Holy Spirit remind us that we should be more concerned about what you think than what our friends think. We should be more concerned about whether or not we are grieving your heart than whether or not we are grieving uh, or offending others. Um, and then, Lord, to give us the divine navigation through relationships in the spirit to be able to speak truth in love and to maintain and to restore and to keep relationships. Um, it's such a delicate balance. It's, it's so not easy. Um, Lord, give us wisdom. Lead us in your spirit. We love you, Lord. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.